for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. But without faith it is impossible to please him, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Halgrimson. Thank you for joining me today. Now, I'm excited today because we've got a new message, but before we go into that, I just want to remind you uh, and thank you for visiting the website, truepatriotministries.org, and just know we're a debt-free ministry, and that's the way we want to stay. And that's our intention, is to be debt-free and remain that way. So we appreciate everything that that you do for us, and it's it's just been a real pleasure doing this. And I, I'm, I know you're enjoying it, too. Uh, we're enjoying the feedback that we get from these videos and from these audios. And uh, you've been faithful, and we thank you for that. We truly do. Look, let me pray over you to begin with, and then we'll get into today's message. Uh, Father, I just pray that you would surround them with godly counsel, with wise counsel, Lord, that you send the laborers to the field. Father, give them eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that understand, that they may see and hear the Word of God, the Word of truth, and receive it in their spirits. Father, I ask you, bless them with wisdom and revelation. And I just desire for you, Lord, to to have a harvest in all of this. Glory to God. And I thank you for it, Lord, because we know that you are true and you are faithful. And what we ask, when we ask according to your will, it's ours. And we receive it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. All right. Thank you. And uh, let's. today's a little different. Typically, I go into a lot of scripture and, and I do a little bit more, I guess, teaching. And today, I'm just going to address you. Uh, I've got a, a bit of a sermon here. And I entitled it, Why Should I? Why Should I? And the reason behind the title is I run into, across different platforms and across different messages, I run into people quite often who who just say, why should I believe in God? Why should I believe in anything? You know, why is it necessary? And, And so it's been on my heart, and this is why I wanted to do this, so that we can address this question, why should I? Now, we'll start with the fact that the world is in darkness. First, let's talk about this world that we live in. 
right? When we stop and we reflect on what we see and what we hear every day, on the surface, we tend to think that it's not that bad. We get up each day and we go to work and we go or we go through the process of getting ready for work, uh, having breakfast, that kind of thing, grabbing a cup of coffee, heading out the door. So we've got our commute time. Uh, We're working. And then when we finish working, we come home. And what do we do when we come home? Well, we go through the reverse process of what we did in the morning. So maybe we eat dinner, we change, we relax a little bit, we throw on the television. Uh, We do everything to get us to relax from a day at work so that we can get up the next morning and we can go back and do the exact same thing over again. Now, once this routine is established, let's call it our circle, right? This is what we have is a circle in which we, we very rarely wander outside of. We tend to stay within that circle because it's very, very comfortable. And we tend not to um, recognize most of what goes on outside of our circle, right? And this includes people. We don't recognize other people. We don't recognize family members. If If there's something going on, that disturbs that circle that we built around us, we would much rather turn away from whatever that something is that's going on and just stay in that circle, stay in our comfort zone. And that's, that's just not who God called us to be. And so that's, that's part of what we're dealing with. And we're going to see this mostly in our seniors Right. We have a lot of seniors we who they may have family within 30 minutes of where they live, and yet they don't see family maybe once a month, once every couple months, once every three months. And what happens is those seniors, it's much easier for the families if they find somebody to come in and help take care of grandma or grandpa. Um, somebody to come in and check in on them, you know, two, three times a week so that they don't have to because their circle is so full of what is comfortable to them that they dare not go outside that circle. And therefore, grandma or grandpa is, well, they're just not necessary. And, And that's unfortunate. And then we wonder why we have the debt that we have, why we have a lack of education that we have. And I'm not talking about collegiate education. Guys, we have educators who have a complete lack of education. Not to mention a complete lack of morals and values. And they're into the latest, greatest, the coolest, whatever fad and trend is going on. And unfortunately, they, they no longer feel that it is immoral to teach our kids immoral things. And so they are all about teaching them everything that we don't want them to teach and, and not really teaching what they should be teaching. And I think we've lost a lot of that because we've let our seniors go. 
we've pulled within ourselves in in our comfort circle and refused to partake of anything the generation or the two generations before us experienced and learned. And so our morals and our values are slipping. Uh, well, they haven't, they're not slipping anymore. Uh, can't get much lower than they are. And that's something that needs to be addressed. But this is how we got there because we got into that comfort zone, right? And we got into that pride and arrogance of the world and we got away from God. And so that's that darkness. Once we allow that darkness to permeate our family circle, you know, a lot of times there's damage there that can't be undone. And so, and I touched on grandparents. Well, let's talk about children for a moment. If, if we are not bringing the knowledge and the wisdom of the previous generations into this generation, then how can we bring that history, that true history, not what we want it to be, but the truth, how can we bring that into our grandkids and and their kids and our great 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 grandkids and so on. How are we going to do that if we are so comfortable in our circle that we're allowing the devil to come into this world? Well, he's already in this world, but allowing the devil to to pervert our history or erase it altogether. And we've gotten to the point where we we just we're so busy. Uh, being comfortable that we no longer even try to get ahead. We no longer concern ourselves with the word of God, which is the truth. We just keep going around in circles, right? And, and Hey, I, my house is covered. I, I make my house payment every month. We've got groceries. We've got, you know, uh, entertainment. We've got all these things that we want, not necessarily do we need, but that we want. And so just leave me alone. I'm good. You know, and, and that's where it's unfortunate, but it's a very selfish attitude. Even in the church, the body of Christ, we have this, it permeates it. And so we need to, to back up a notch and we need to look at ourselves and evaluate our morals, our values, what are they and where do they come from? Do we even remember what they are? Glory to God. Do you remember what your values are? What you find near and dear to you? Write them down. Once you write them down, go find the word and see, do I line up with God? Do I line up with what he wants? If you do, You're on the right track. If you don't, then turn from yours and pick up his. And he will be able to bless you and multiply the things that you do. And so that's, it's it's so important. We really need to pay attention. Um, 
Let me get back to my notes here real quick. So fear and apprehension, it's it's become so all over our society today. I've never met more people in my life that are on anti-anxiety drugs. They're on medication of some kind to help calm them down, settle them down. Uh, because fear and apprehension, it lurks around every corner. And, and they, uh, if anything disturbs that circle that they're in, that comfort zone, when it gets disturbed, they, they really, they just have a meltdown. And it's unfortunate because fear has gotten so in them that they, they just can't find a way out of it. And if this is you, if you're suffering from this, it it's a trick of the devil. So the good news that I'm going to give you is that God's the way out of it. And he can help you. And he can help you quickly. But you got to reach out to him. And if you don't know how to, reach out to a believer. Reach out to a pastor, a priest, a minister. Reach out to a deacon or an elder. Reach out to a neighbor who knows God. Reach out to somebody who is anchored in Jesus Christ and in the Word of God and and let them help you. We are more than willing. You can reach out to me if you want to. Hit me up via email. Or go to my website. Uh, you can go to the website anyway, truepatriotministries.org. And if you go to the Connect page, it will have a Connect form you can fill out, and that will come to me. Or you can uh, find the email address, which is reachout at truepatriotministries.org. You can contact me. You don't have to fight this alone, especially if you already don't know what direction you want to go. Okay, if you if you're sitting there and, and you're so in fear and you're so um, closed in, but you want out, you you want a real life. You want to be able to venture out of your circle without having a meltdown. Then you know we can help you. It's it's not you don't do it alone. And that's what we tend to do when these things happen is we tend to pull in and start doing things alone, which just amplifies, it multiplies the problem. And we need to get away from that. God is the answer. That's why should I? Why should I? I'm giving you a lot of reasons here why we should. For healthy seniors, for healthy parents, for healthy children. For a healthy and strong body of Christ. So our children are being assaulted every day. And uh, most of us are, are too busy working and trying to provide to see it. And that's a major issue. And, and when we do see it, we feel powerless against it. What am I going to do against the school? Well, homeschool. I'm already working a job and a half, and my wife's working a job. How am I going to homeschool my kids? Well, sometimes we have to quit living so large, and we need to back up. The, the first thing I would say is, is uh, seek God. Get God into your life on a daily basis, hourly basis. Let him in. 
Let him work with you. All right? Just stop going the direction you're going. Look, society is telling us that we need to have a certain size house. We need to, well, we need to live alone. That we shouldn't live with our parents and we shouldn't live with our grandparents and and our kids shouldn't live with us and that we should live alone, which honestly, when I look at it and I see other cultures where the families do live together, uh, multiple generations living together, I, I see a bigger bond, a stronger bond between family members. And so... I kind of think that we have gotten that wrong. Now, I'm not saying it's totally wrong that you live on your own, but in this day and age, what we need to evaluate is what is the most important thing to us? If the most important thing to us is the size of our house, the cars that we drive, and the schools that our kids go to, then we're wrong. Straight up wrong. If the most important things in our lives are not God first, then our spouse, then our children, and then our family, then we've gotten our vertical alignment out of whack. And until we get that back, according to the Word of God, it's not going to pan out for us. We're going to continue to run in that rat race. And as long as you continue, as we continue... I should say, as long as we continue running the rat race according to the world's rules, we're going to lose because the devil set the rules so that he could win. And I'll, I'll tell you, he already knows that in the end he's lost. Jesus declared victory over him. This is just to see how much damage he can inflict before Jesus comes. We need to beat him by not joining him. Don't partake. If you are overloaded with debt, stop and eliminate the debt. If your mortgage is too big for you and you can't see anything outside of two and a half jobs or three jobs, and you can't school your own children, then I would say reevaluate. I see, and, and I live in a small town of about 5,000 people right now, and I am seeing homes that are 2,500, 3,000, 4,000 square feet, single family homes, four and five bedrooms, three and four bathrooms, and they're going up all around us. And people are moving into them, and they have plenty of room for them and their kids. Well, actually, they have plenty of room for probably half the family they have. You know, if you start counting uh, parents and grandparents and siblings, they have all kinds of room. But it's for them and their two kids. And they're paying out three and $4,000 a month in mortgages. And yet their kids are being forced to go to public school or even if they get them into private school. But when they find out that these things are being taught in their school, 
they're shrugging their shoulders and saying, yeah, what am I going to do about it? I can't, I can't slow down at work because I need the money to pay all the bills I got. You know, my wife can't stay home because, well, she's got to have her paycheck along with my two paychecks so that we can pay all the bills we have. And I, I believe we just morally, we need to back up and evaluate that. So we're saying, what we're saying is that our lifestyle is more vital than our children. It's more vital than our spouse. And it's way more important than our God. And if you take offense to this, I'm sorry. But somewhere along the line, somebody's got to point some truths out. If you're living beyond your means, you're living beyond your means. The obvious thing to do is to see where you can make some cuts. Now, honestly, maybe you decide to have somebody move in with you. Your mom, your dad, you know, maybe your parents can live with you. Or maybe your kids can live with you. Whatever it is, you know, it, it's taking a look at it and evaluating. Okay, so how can I best improve the situation that my kids are in and that my spouse is in? Now, I want you to understand that I'm speaking from a person who's lived in this trap, who has bought into the lies of the rat race and and figured out that they are lies and that reevaluating what's important, which I've done over the last few years, what's important and sticking to that and sticking to your values and your morals and understanding that as you go through life, there are certain things that are going to change and you need to be adaptable, but you don't sacrifice your values and your morals. And so I honestly believe we could see in the next 10 years, 20 years, a lot of people bringing their lifestyle level down so that they can bring their vertical alignment up, if that makes sense. I hope it does. And, and we'll cover vertical alignment in a separate recording. But just know, look, seek the kingdom first. So seek God first. Okay. He's the top of your vertical alignment. And if you're seeking him, you're going to be growing yourself. That's becoming a full son or daughter. Now, second is your spouse. Okay. So God, spouse, third is family. And why do we do that? Because you want a rock solid marriage. And if you put your kids ahead of your spouse, then when your kids grow up and leave the house, you're not going to have a marriage. And then your kids are going to do the same thing, all right? And it's going to repeat generation after generation after generation. So you want to make sure that you've got your vertical alignment right. God first. Put your spouse first. If you want to impress anything upon your kids, impress upon your kids how much you love your wife or your husband, how much you value them, how much you honor them, okay? And impress upon them how much you love your God and how much you honor your God. And your children will do what you do. They will grow into people who honor God. And they will grow into people who will honor and value their spouses. And we will reverse this divorce rate 
And now we're going to have a, you know, and here, next 20 years, here's a goal. We have people come up in, in, in the Word of God who get their vertical alignment right. We drop the divorce rate and we increase the percentage of marriages that end up in marriages that last 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years or 80 years, you know? And, and so I can see that, that trend happening and it should be something that we talk about. We build successful marriages. We build, we, we grow, we nurture successful believers, full sons and daughters of God who honor and value their spouses And because they honor and value their spouses, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years down the road, their marriages are so strong because of their foundation that they developed in God. Not because of what the world developed or how the world tried to come against them, but because of what God is doing for them and through them because they honor him. And I really didn't intend for this to be a, a marriage sermon, you know, but honestly, that's, it's part of the vertical alignment because if you do respect and honor and value your spouse, glory to God, you're going to have a healthy relationship. And if you have a healthy relationship, your children are going to see that and you're going to have a healthy relationship with them because you honor the things of God. It'll be the same with your job or your business or your occupation, whatever it is that you do, whatever God calls you to do, because he's our source and he's going to put channels in front of you that will bring in money, resources, but he's always the source. The channels can change. The source doesn't. Anyway, so... We need to reverse this uh, living bigger than life and crippling our families. We need to live we need to live a godly life full of God's love and raise our children up there. Let God multiply you. Do you understand? And there's therein lies part of the issue. The world will tell you you have to get it because nobody's going to get it for you which is a perversion of what God says. God says, honor me. Seek me first. Put me number one. I'll add these things to you. And and the devil has taken that and he's perverted it. And he said, you've got to go get all you can get because it's limited and somebody else is going to beat you to it. And if you don't go get it, you'll never get it. And it's just not true. Seek God first. He'll add it to you. And and that's where we need to get back to. Now, let's talk about darkness. What is darkness? I alluded to part of it. It's evil. It's wicked. It's perverted. It's twisted. And those who give themselves over to it, they spread it to every corner of the world like some kind of plague. 
And that's the best way to describe it. And darkness, it is a plague. And it it desires to infect anything and everything it can. It doesn't care. Like I said, the devil already knows he's defeated. But he's like a brat, a child who is a spoiled child who just throws tantrums everywhere he goes. All right. That's, that's what we're talking about with the devil. He's yeah. And so his name is Satan. And I know a lot of people refuse to admit that Satan exists because if you know, Satan exists, then you know, God exists. And if you know, God exists, you know, you're expected to do the right thing. And well, sometimes the right thing is hard to do or it's tedious or whatever, you know, maybe you think it's not fun. And so the devil does exist. There are those out there who refuse to admit it. And those that do believe he exists, many don't believe, many of them don't even believe that he is the God of this world. And some have even been fooled into believing that it's cool, it's neat, cool, the end thing, trendy, to do, to follow him. And it's not. Hollywood does a great job of glamorizing sin and the devil. It's not, it's not cool. It's deadly. It's torment, it's fear, it's terror, it's darkness. And the end result is death. And what happens after the physical death is what you should be concerned with, because after the physical death, it is not going to be a pleasure. There's no paradise for those who, who are outside of Jesus. And that's that's a hard thing for people to swallow. Now, don't get your don't get in a wad, don't get wound up, don't get offended, and, and walk away. Just sit there and relax a moment. It, it's it's okay for us to talk about these things because if I can't speak to you about it. Or if somebody else can't come up to you and speak to you about salvation or about the devil, about Jesus, about God, nobody can help you. And sooner or later, you're going to want the help. So it's, it's not a bad thing. And it's not an all at once thing. All right. For some, it's going to take years. For some, overnight. Don't look at others and judge yourself. Uh, It's So when Jesus said that he would leave 99 on the hill, 99 sheep on the hill, to go find that one lost sheep, do you understand he wasn't comparing any of the sheep to the other sheep? The only qualifier is these 99 are found, they're solid, 
they're where they're supposed to be. But that one, he's out there and he's lost, or she is out there lost. And so I've got to go find that person that is lost. I got to go find that lost sheep because he is every bit, he or she is every bit as valuable as the ones that have already been found. That was the only qualifier when he made that statement. He wasn't judging between color or sex or religious beliefs, any of that. He was looking for the lost. And and so don't get wound up about judging yourself and all of that and others judging you. Don't don't even worry about that. The only one you need to worry about being judged by is, is Jesus. If you're a born-again believer, Jesus will be the one that judges you. If you're not a born-again believer, God will judge you on the hot white throne. And and that's not don't go to the white throne. Okay? Go to Jesus. He's on the mercy seat. That's the one you want to be judged by. And what's okay, so what's the qualification? Is this a side route, right? So what's the qualification between going to the great white throne where God is for judgment and going to Jesus on the mercy seat for judgment? <laughs> it's only one qualification. You either believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he is the resurrected Christ and you receive him as such or you don't believe it. That's that's the choice. It's like a Y in the road. And, and on the right-hand side, you've got this narrow little ruddy road that doesn't look like it's very easy. And, and maybe there's you know, maybe there's stones jutting out of it and it looks hilly and rocky and narrow. And, and to the left is this nice wide paved road. Well, I'm going to tell you, and, and Jesus speaks to it. The, the nice wide paved road is going to lead you to hell. It's going to lead you to a place you don't want to go. And it's because it's easy. Right? It's easy. You get in with the goats and you start following the goats. And sooner or later, you're a goat. And you end up in the wrong place. So the road to the great white throne and judgment is very wide. Very easy to go down. The road or the path, I should say, because it's like a goat trail. The path to Jesus in the mercy seat is narrow and it's difficult. It's it's not easy, but it is rewarding. And and that's what we should be looking at is what's the reward that we get for each one of the paths we go down? And Hell and damnation on the left and, and you know, sanctification, uh, salvation, and, as Paul said, an imperishable crown on the right. 
And I think that's a beautiful thing. So, and, and to know a little bit about Satan, and, and I don't want to run too long here, but to, to know a little bit about Satan, Satan was Lucifer. There was a battle in heaven. Lucifer decided he, and he was a beautiful angel. God created him. It's one of God's creation. A beautiful angel. Um, I believe in the most, in somewhere in the Old Testament, it says he was the most beautiful angel. And from what I understand, he had to do with offerings and he had to do with uh, praise and worship and some music. And, and so it's to me, no wonder we find him here in the earth. He fell, Lucifer did, uh, when he exalted himself against God. He wanted to be higher than God. And, and you can't do that. He was corrupted. He was twisted, uh, perverted with, with sin and evil. Hey, he fell from heaven. God cast him out of heaven. Look, there's no place in heaven. There's no place in God's realm for sin, for corruption, perversion, whatever you want to call it. There's no place for it in heaven. And so he had no choice but to cast him and a third of the angel arm or a third of the angels out who followed him. And first we need to recognize that I had to hurt God because it is, they are his creatures. He did create them. And he didn't create the issue. Lucifer did when he decided he needed to be higher than God. So Lucifer's name was changed to Satan when he hit the earth, when he came to our world. And that's who Lucifer is. Now, Satan, we also know him as the devil, the ad, the adversary, the enemy. And he's here. He's real. He is the God of this world, little g. And that came about because he deceived Eve. And Adam made the mistake of choosing Eve over God. God told him, don't eat it, the fruit. Eve said, I've eaten of it. It's good. You eat it. And, and he followed Eve. And the rest is history. You know, he, in that moment, he handed the kingdom of God. He, he handed, not the kingdom of God, excuse me. He handed this world over to the devil. And the devil became the God of this world. Adam was designed to be the God of this world, little g. And we as believers, we are the kings and priests of this world. And we should be taking dominion, just, just like God said in the beginning. I bless you, and I multiply you, and I command you to take dominion over, to subdue, to replenish this earth. We are the kings and priests of this world as believers, and we need to stand up stronger. We need to come together as one in the body of Christ and understand that we have all the power we need in the Holy Spirit to make major modifications to this world. And we know this is a physical world. It's only temporary. 
But God didn't tell us that, oh, you know, it's temporary. Don't worry about it. Just chill. And, you know, eventually you'll make heaven and we can we can work it out there. No. Do you know what God said? Glory to God. Go back to the prayer that Jesus was teaching the apostles. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand that? So earth is supposed to mirror what heaven looks like. Which means we as believers need to be making sure God's will is done here. If uh, if there's no sickness, no disease, no poverty in heaven. That should be our model for here. And we should be able to execute that here on earth with the blessing that he has put on us, with the authority that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ and our new covenant, which is better than the old covenant. We should see major changes in this world. But instead, we've, we've become this lukewarm body of water. And we weren't designed to be that. God said, I would that you were hot or cold, but not lukewarm, because lukewarm I spit out. And so we need to, as the body of Christ, we need to come together. There are those in the body of Christ who are more advanced than others. But I want you to understand, that's how mentorship and coaching works. In order, let's take basketball and let's, let's take, um, you know, let's say we've got an all-star basketball coach. Well, in order for his team to learn to play at the level that he's at, he's first got to be at that level, right? I mean, you can't take somebody off the street and say, here, go coach a basketball team, and they've never played basketball in their life. No, they've, they've got the experience, they've got the knowledge, the wisdom through age and through time, through through playing the game to get out and really coach and to relay to the team the things that they've learned so that, well, now we've got a better starting place because we don't start from scratch. And this is the way it's supposed to be in coaching and mentoring down through the generations Instead of standing on the head of the generation coming up, they should be standing on our shoulders because we are pouring into them the experiences and the knowledge and the wisdom that we already have. And so those in the, in the body of Christ who are further along should be reaching back and grabbing the hand of somebody who's coming up and helping them up. And, and that's vital. Instead, it seems that we have uh, we have allowed the body of Christ to become diluted, confused, just like the world. And, and that should not be. And so there is a process, a purification process, whether we desire it or not. If we wait and allow things to run until 
uh, the end of time and we end up at the judgment seat, it's not going to be a very pretty picture. But we're still here. We're still available. We still have works to do. And we should be out there doing it. And, and we'll reach out to one another. Lift each other up. Have a couple over. Have a have a young man come. Whatever. A young woman. And, and pour into them. Bring them up. Elevate them so that when somebody reaches out to them, they can actually elevate them also. Not leaving a bunch of people like crabs in a bucket, pulling and yanking on each other to keep each other down instead of elevating one another. Uh, that really wasn't in my notes. So we'll continue. Um, I think I'm going to end up cutting this short. Look, Jesus came to be the light in the world. I'll still post the notes, uh, but I got off track on this because it's important that we know, well, it's not really off track. Darkness is out there, but I want you to know that darkness cannot overcome the light. Um, darkness does not comprehend the light and it flees, just like the devil will flee from you when you exercise your authority over him. We need to come together as a body of Christ. And I'm telling you, honestly, honestly, what we should be unified over is not what organization or denomination we belong to, whether it's Assemblies of God or Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran or Episcopal, whatever it is. Guys, there's only one body of Christ. I would desire myself to see every organization out there Pull down these denominational names. Repent. Grab the Word of God and major on it. We get we we slap a denominational name on things, and 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 the only reason I'm saying this is because when you when you can look to see what's going on out there, everything seems to be a denominational battle. Well, this denomination believes this, and this denomination believes that, but we don't believe this. Guys, God said don't take anything away and don't add to it. He didn't say according to your denomination, but he said don't. Why? Because every time that you compromise the word of God, you are allowing access for the devil to get in there and corrupt it. And so then we have full-on denominations, and we're not even talking about the body of Christ, okay? One denomination is only a small portion of the body. But we have full-on denominations that are splitting two and three ways because, well, I believe this part of the Bible, and I believe that part of the Bible. Well, I believe this part, and because I believe this part, well, I'm going to flush that part because it, it, it doesn't make me feel good. Because you're in the world. The word says when we receive Jesus Christ that we are adopted. God adopts us. We become his children. We are full sons and daughters. Glory to God. And that's a good thing. But how do we behave? He said, you are now aliens in this world. 
You are in this world, but you're not of this world. You're from above, not beneath. You're more than conquerors. You're victorious in Christ. You're the head, not the tail. And yet we run around behaving like we're under everything. We're behind everything. Like we have no power, no authority. Guys, come on. And I'm not an expert with the Word of God, but I tell you what, I love God. I have a passion for His people, for His children. I have a passion for the love of Christ that's in this world. Not of it. And we need to we need to get back to putting God first. And if if it means that what we currently have in this world has got to cease for a period of time, if the way we live needs to just stop and we have to back up and just go to basics so that we can focus on the true, the true priorities in this life, then we need to do it. Not just as individuals, but as the body of Christ. I don't care how big your building is. I don't care what it says on the front of it. God doesn't either. Do you know God doesn't see what your building looks like? He doesn't see what your uh, audio, video equipment looks like. He doesn't care if you've got, you know, less money in that than you do in a good pair of sneakers. He, He really doesn't care. He cares about your heart. He cares about your heart. And he can see your heart. He knows your intentions. He knows who you are, where you are, and what you are. And it's time that we we just stop the nonsense. And and we start looking around and going, hey, you, you look like you could use a blessing today. Glory to God. Let me be that blessing. Looking around and, and instead of looking at the bottom of the bucket and going, yeah, I'm the crab on top of the heap. Let's, let's look at the people who haven't elevated to where we are yet and see if they're willing to be helped. I realize you can't help somebody who doesn't want to receive it. And like my, my father in the faith, Robert says, it's not so much what they need as, as what they can receive. And so we need to be led of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit will let us know what they can receive. But we're, we've got a responsibility to help each other out, to love one another, to walk in love. Why should I? Why should I? You know, it, let's talk about the four lepers who were sitting outside the gate and they knew they couldn't go into town because they would, the town wouldn't appreciate it and they'd probably be killed. And there was an Assyrian army camped in the distance because they were threatening to come against the town. And they got up one morning and they thought, you know, maybe we should just walk on out there and if they kill us, they kill us. 
But if they don't, maybe we'll get some food and we'll eat. We haven't eaten in days. And these four lepers, they finally decided, well, I'm going to go do the hard thing. I'm going to advance toward the enemy. I'm going to plead on God's mercy. And I'm going to advance towards the enemy. And we'll just see what happens. God used that. Not just to save the four lepers, but to save the whole town. He used their willingness to get up and move, to take action. He used that and he multiplied it. So they start walking across the sands and he multiplies it. He he amplifies the sound of their footsteps until they sound like this huge army coming against the Assyrians. And the Assyrians, it's so far off in the distance, they can't see it. So they can't see that it's only four lepers. But the sound, amplified by God, freaks them out. And they leave everything behind and they run. And they don't stop running. They just keep running. For all I know, they ran all the way back to their native country. And the lepers got there to that town, to that tent city. Let's call it that, that camp. And everything was there. They could eat all they wanted. They could drink all they wanted. They could put as much gold on as they wanted. Everything was there. They had shelter. They had food. They had drink. They were blessed beyond their own capacity. There was too much there for them. They couldn't couldn't keep it all. They could have. They could have just stayed there and, and... you know, made noises every once in a while, campfires, whatever, keep the the town thinking that the Assyrian army is still out there threatening them. But what'd they do? They started hauling stuff back to the town. They, They went back and they let the people know, look, salvation is here. We are safe. Not only are we safe, but God has enriched us. He has blessed us beyond capacity. He can do the same thing here and now for the body of Christ. We just need to make sure that we are doing God first. Then our spouses. Our kids and so on. And so... I think that's a good place to jump off, a good place to end this message. Look, guys, God loves you. I love you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you, receive him right now. Just reach out to him. Say, Lord, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you are the resurrected Savior. You are the Messiah, the Christ. And I receive you. And and just celebrate. Glory to God. Welcome to the family. Bless you. And I pray that you have an awesome week. And uh, thanks for joining me. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore He says when He ascended on high, He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men.